I was studying the sermon this week, and I was wondering about Paul, and I was, I was thinking, I wonder if Paul thought that when he wrote the letters to the churches in Asia Minor, if it would ever reach the hands of Western people two, some 2,000 years later. You know, did, did it go through his mind that, that uh, somebody else would study this book outside of the intended audience, you know? And I wonder if, if Tychicus, the guy that delivered the letters, I wonder, if, uh, I wonder if he thought that he was carrying the letters to the Ephesians and that it would later impact the world the way that it has. And I wonder if he even dreamed of that. And uh, much less a small assembly like ours in Conyers, Georgia. I doubt that I doubt that we were on their mind. Either way, I highly doubt that Paul had us in mind when he penned his letter, but but through his obedience we have been tremendously blessed with instructions, with all kind of culture, with blessings, with teachings, with knowledge, and so forth and so on. All because of his obedience to do what he did. So I've been thinking about what I've learned over the last couple of years studying this book and oh how amazing it is. I have, I have, my, my knowledge has vastly increased just from the, just from the studying of this. And um, if you hadn't heard all the messages that have been taught on the book of Ephesians, you can look them up there on the, they're on the website. You can go back and read them in your own time and uh, kind of catch up. But as a reminder and a quick overview of what we have studied, I've put together some bullet points and stuff, and I'm just going to run through them real quick. But in chapter one, we learned about the blessings of Yahweh that were bestowed upon us through His only begotten Son. That in Him we have redemption through His blood, we have forgiveness of our sins, and we have a predestined inheritance. And in Him, in him also we have heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. In Him, when we believed, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. If I didn't get anything else out of this whole book of Ephesians, I got Ephesians 1.13. That, that become my favorite Bible verse throughout the course of this study. But in chapter 2, we were educated in the manner of grace and how Yahweh provided a means for us for salvation through His Son while we were yet sinners. For by grace we were saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It's a gift of the Almighty. Not only that, but at the end of chapter 2, Paul talks about our unity with all the like-minded believers and how we're no longer foreigners or strangers to a covenant, but now we're fellow citizens and we're members of the household of Yahweh with Yeshua as the cornerstone. In chapter 3, Paul goes on to share, us, share with us the mystery of the gospel, and he elaborates on his and our duty of the ministry of the gospel. It's just as much our ministry as it is his. And at the end of chapter 3, he prays for the saints that they may be strengthened with power in their inner man and that the Messiah might dwell in their hearts by faith. And remember, we also learned that all throughout this study that the first three chapters of this epistle were all about Yahweh and what he did for us through his only begotten son. Chapters 1 through 3 in summary were chapters built on the good graces of Yahweh and had nothing to do with us outside of being the recipients of such a blessing. Then as we moved into chapter 4, Paul urges us to walk worthy of the calling that we've received. We learned of the diversity within the body of Christ, how Yahweh has given each one of us a gift within the body, and how we're to use it according to our ability to build up and to strengthen the church. That's our, that's our job. Some were given the, 
the position of evangelist, some pastors, some teachers, so forth and so on, the fourfold ministry or fivefold ministry, however you know it. And at the end of chapter 4, Paul starts to instruct us on living a new life and walking in the new walk. He tells us that we're being renewed in the spirit of our minds, that we were to put on the new man, the one created according to Yahweh's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. So in chapter 4, we have the conversion and the start of the new walk. Then chapter 5 tells us all about the different kinds of walks, the walk of light, not, not darkness, obvious and obviously, and the, the love walk, walk in love with the Messiah. He talks about our wives and husbands and uh, the roles that we're to play in the home as it pertains to the Christian walk. He compares the two with Yeshua and the church and gives us great insight in the manner the way that we're to treat our spouses. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then Paul continues on with these instructions in chapter 6 through verse 10 with directions on relationships, not only with our spouses and with our children, but also with our neighbors in the form of slaves and masters. Render service with a good attitude, Paul tells us. So we see just a wealth of knowledge from a very informed vessel of Yahweh all the way up until the last part of the sixth chapter where Paul starts to prep the saint for the spiritual battle starting in verse 10. And from there until today, we've studied his teachings on how to put on the full armor of the Almighty in order to prepare ourselves and or to arm ourselves against the adversary. Oh, what, what a beautiful study. I've learned so much through the armor of Yahweh, or the Christian armor. I've learned so much about it. After all that Paul has taught us up until chapter 6, he says, Oh, and by the way, if you're part of the family of Yahweh, if you're living the Christian life, if you honor your spouse, if you train your children correctly, if you treat your neighbor right, if you maintain the consistency that goes along with being a saint, then you're probably going to need this armor. You're probably going to need it. If you serve Yahweh, you're going to need this armor. If you're going to stand in the gap, if you're going to walk this walk, better put this armor on. Because in all efforts to be obedient and to live a Christ-like life, you'll be attacked by the evil one. And so we discussed all the armor. And now, guys, finally, we're at the end of Paul's letter today, and I want to close the book out. I'm going to try to. But there's one more thing that needs to be discussed before we do that. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the 6th chapter of Ephesians. And I'm going to read verses 18 through 24, the final six verses of the book. Chapter 6 and verse 18, it says, With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. And stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness, the mystery of the gospel. Make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. So Paul's closing out all of his instructions, but he reminds us first that we must pray. Verse 18 says, With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So prayer is the final theme of the letter to the Ephesians. Prayer. Why do you think that prayer wasn't mentioned in the armor of Yahweh? Prayer seems to be pretty necessary, I would think. 
I think it's a pretty important part. It definitely is. But I believe it's more than that. The armor ended in verse 17, and the prayer is kind of in concert with that. In other words, Paul's not saying put on the armor and then add prayer, but rather woven into all the armor is prayer. All while we place on the armor of the, of the Christian, we're to be in prayer. We're to always pray, whether we're just getting ready to put on the armor or whether or not we're in the battle. Whether the battle's hot or while we're in a lull, whether we're on a mountain or whether we're in a valley, whether we're sick or whether life is good, Amen. it doesn't matter. We just pray. At all times, we pray. I was thinking about how I don't do that at all times pray, and I was thinking about how to fix it. Because when I see something in the Bible that reminds me of my sin or somewhere where I'm wrong, I think that I need to go about doing something like that, so I need to fix it. Amen. And I was thinking, how do you just pray all the time? You just get wore out with it, or you become complacent with it, or you just wouldn't pray, or, or maybe it becomes less meaningful, or something like that. And then I got to think, thinking the more you do something, the better you get at it. And so the more often you pray, the more meaningful it'll be. And the key is not so much about what you pray about. It's about the communication between you and the Father. Amen. So I got to think, and I'm going to get up in the morning, and when my truck cranks, I'm going to say, thank you, Yahweh, for letting my truck crank. Amen. When I get to work, I'm going to say, thank you for not letting my tire blow out. Amen. Thank you for letting the guy show up on time today. Amen. Thank you for the work that we have to do. You know, thank you that my children made it to school today or that they made it to work today. Amen. Thank you for all that you've done, and not just on the thankful side of everything, but Yahweh, please keep my tire from blowing out today. Please take care of my children. Shelter them. Put your angels around them and yes. camp them with angels when they go to work. Yes, yes. Take care of them because the communication has to be there. See, guys, I think, I think that this is actually kind of the climax of Paul's letter. He didn't just remember at the end of his letter to tell us to pray. I don't think that's the case. But rather, this may be the most important part of the Christian life. We're, all, we're to be constant in communication with Yahweh. We need to be constantly in communication with Him. All the armor of the world is simply mechanical without the power of prayer. It's a must. We must pray at all times lest we fall into temptation. Our, our Lord tells us in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, He says to pray that we don't become discouraged. And then Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, he says, Therefore, whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. Must be careful not to fall. We're heroes until we're not. Believe it or not, you can get to a point where you have all the tools and all the knowledge, but you have no relationship if you're not careful. This is very common, especially within church groups and, and well-learned church groups. It seems to me that the more you study, the sharper you get, the more it becomes about truths and exact understandings and things like that that we forget about the personal relationship with Yahweh. And that is dangerous. It is super dangerous. We can get real educated, but educated without faith is no good. It doesn't do you a bit of good. Communication is critical. It is very critical. Sometimes we get to a place in life where everything is just going so great and we just forget to pray at all. I am very guilty of this. I know this firsthand. Maybe everybody in here are prayer warriors, but I'm not, so, I, so I'm, very, I'm very familiar with this. It's terrible that we're that way, but we're self-centered people. 
and and that's just the way we are. Our life's good, our children are good, our job's good, the finances are good, everything's going just like it's supposed to, except for our relationship with Yahweh. It stinks because we don't seem to need him at the present time. He's not a butler. He's not a butler, guys. You don't just call on him when you need him. There's coming a day when everything's going to be, when something's going to be bad. It's coming. If you live long enough, something's going to hit you right in the mouth and you're going to need him. And let me tell you something. When that happens, you don't want him to not recognize your voice because you forgot to talk to him. It's coming. Those days are coming. So we're to do, we're to pray when? All times. At all times pray. Good or bad, happy or sad, poor or fool. The need is not important. As the relationship. And remember that. Your needs are not near as important as your relationship is with Yahweh. So whatever you're praying about, pray about it. But know that your need is not that important. Your relationship with Yahweh is far more important than that. We ought to pray so much that he knows everything about us. And everything about all who are around us. So that in this way there is never a need that is not mentioned or a praise that is not lifted up to him. Now that's how often we should pray. But how should we pray? Paul says, with every prayer and request. That means for whatever and whenever. Well, I guess you could look at it that way, but I tend to think that he's talking about our brothers because what it says at the end of the verse, with the perseverance and intercession for the saints, we're praying for them for spiritual things. So definitely for our brothers in the Messiah, in the Messiah but context would lead us to believe that we're praying for those including ourselves within spiritual battles. That's the context of Ephesians 6 right here. We're talking about a spiritual warfare. Who are we praying for? We're praying for our brothers and sisters that are being constantly attacked by Satan. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for physical needs, be it sickness, you know, monetary support, emotional distress, things like that. I, I believe that we pray for those things also. But we should definitely pray for those. But But Paul here just finished talking about Satan and his attacks. And how we need the full armor. And then he mentions prayer and intercession for the saints. So I can only conclude that he means that we need to intercede and pray for those who are being drawn away, discouraged, and picked on by the adversary daily. Paul says, stay alert in this. Stay alert in this. Saints, we are our brother's keeper. We definitely are our brother's keeper. We should know what's going on in each other's life in the sense of spiritual contact and conflict. I need to know when you're spiritually weak. I need to know when you're being attacked by Satan. I need to pray for you when you're weak in your faith and you don't have the strength to carry on. I need to know that. And you need to know that about me. It should be a concern of mine for your spiritual well-being. It should be a concern of mine. I should care about everybody in here, not so much physically, but spiritually. I should care about where you're at in your walk and in your faith. Paul says to stay alert in this. Do you do that? Do you do that? Do you see someone falling by the wayside and make a point to pray for them? Or do you look at somebody out there and when they're down, you just say, well, they they fell away. They fell away. They don't come to church anymore. Do you pray for them? Our Messiah did. He tells the parable about the shepherd that left the 99 to go after the one. We're not the ultimate shepherd, but we can certainly imitate him in cares and concerns for the spiritual well-being of our brothers and sisters. We're not the shepherd that he is, but we can act like him. So we pray always 
for all spiritual needs, constantly persevering for the saints, right? We're staying alert and we're looking out for our brothers and we're doing this at all times in what? The Spirit. Paul says, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. What does that mean? Guys, don't throw the gifts of tongues up here on me. Uh, This passage doesn't mention anything about spiritual gifts. We don't have to be slain in the Spirit to pray. That's That's not the intent here. That's not the intent here. He just says, simply pray at all times in the Spirit. And it simply means to pray in concert with the Spirit that lives within you. Make your prayers a duet with the Spirit that resides within you. Look, guys, as you're filled with the Spirit, as you walk in the Spirit and you're obedient to the Spirit, as you are walking close behind our Lord, as you're constantly in His presence, the Spirit of Yahweh will govern your thoughts so that your prayers will be in harmony with the Spirit. That's what it means to to pray in the Spirit. The Spirit that resides in us is a spirit of supplication, a spirit of prayer. It knows our spiritual needs. It intercedes on our behalf. Isn't that great? Isn't it great that when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit intercedes for, for us with groanings that cannot be uttered? It's, it's amazing to me. It's truly a beautiful gift that Yahweh has given us. When we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit intercedes for us. So that's it. That's it. How should we pray? We should pray in the Spirit. When should we pray? Always. What should we pray for? Every spiritual need and relief for the spiritual attacks of the adversary. Who should we pray for? For ourselves, number one, or number two, and our brothers and sisters, number one. Sounds pretty simple, right? Why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? You may be the perfect prayer warrior, but I'm not. I'm not the perfect prayer warrior. It's something that I have to work on. It's something that I need to work on. And if you're anything like me, then let's do something about it. Let's do something about it. Prayer is a powerful thing. James says that uh, we should pray for one another because the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and it's effective. James chapter 5 and verse 16. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray in this way. We need to be serious about it. Look at... uh, Verses 19 and 20. I'm going to read those and we'll continue on. Verse 19, it says, Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness, the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. Paul says, if you want something to pray for, and if you want to pray for me, Pray for this, that I might be bold enough to speak the gospel. Wow. (laughs) Well, what a prayer. When was the last time that you asked for courage to share the gospel with the next person that come along? I I don't ever do this. A little confession time for me here. Uh, I don't ever want to talk to anybody about the gospel. I love to talk about the Bible, and if somebody ever wants to talk about the Bible or opens up the door or window of opportunity, I will jump. Both feet wide open into it, and I will talk for hours about the Bible. Kim gets on to me all the time. She says that I'm too complex, and I'm way over people's head, and when I get started, I need to just simplify everything so that somebody can listen. I love to talk about the Scriptures. It's my favorite pastime. However, if you put me in a crowd and said, go share the gospel with them, I would lock up 
like Loctite. I just, I just don't do that. Okay, it's just not. It's, I don't want to share the gospel with somebody. Not that I don't want to. I don't have the courage to do it. I guess. And so I thought this week. I thought, man, I need to come up with a prayer to share the gospel with people, or at least a, something to encourage me. And so I thought next time that I need to share the gospel, or thought that I wanted to share the gospel with somebody, I would pray that Yahweh would give me strength and the courage to open my mouth, even when it quivers, even when it quivers. And so it's, it's important that we do this. You know, It's important that we share the gospel with people. Paul says that he's an ambassador in chains for this very reason, meaning that he's in prison for the reason of speaking the gospel. That's why he's there. That's why he's in prison is because he thought it necessary to share the gospel. If you share the gospel, if, even if you do, if you share the gospel, there's no cost to you at all. You're not going to jail. You're not going to prison. Nobody's going to shoot you. Nothing like that. It doesn't cost you one thing. But for him to share the, cost, the gospel, it cost him to be in stocks and bonds, locked up in a prison. Notice he doesn't say that, um, man, pray that they'll let me out of here. Or pray that they'll take these shackles off my feet. They're rubbing my legs raw. He didn't say that. They died. They died for the gospel message. Paul died for it. Christ was crucified for it. Many were torn asunder. Crucified on stakes. Simply to share the gospel message. To tell the good news. They died for it. So I asked you, do you share the gospel? I don't know. I think... uh, I think it's kind of selfish to pray for ourselves. Anybody in here think it's selfish to pray for yourself? I feel like that all the time. A lot of times, not all the time. Sometimes I pray for things that are important to me, but sometimes I think it's selfish to even ask for anything. How how in the world can I ask for anything? I don't need anything. I don't find myself in need for anything. So how can I pray for anything for me? And I believe we can get to a place where that's not the case anymore. We can get to where we simply pray for other people because... That's most important to us. And I think Paul gives us an example of that here. He only seems concerned about the work of his Lord and the lost children that need to receive the message of the gospel truth. That's all he cares about. When we pray, is that what our prayers sound like? Do we pray for people to receive the gospel? Do we pray for the kingdom to come? Or does our prayer sound something like this? Lord, please give me a good job. Give me good health. Give me good kids. Give me a nice car. Give me a big house. Give me fine things to eat. Make it pleasant here on this earth for me. Is that what our prayer sounds like? Or do our prayers start and conclude with the spiritual needs of others and the advancement of Yahweh's kingdom here on earth? I can tell you this. I've been here for 12 or 13 years in this church. 12 or 13. I don't even know how long. Maybe 14 or 11. I don't know. It's something like that. So I've been here that long in this church. And I've listened to a lot of prayer requests come through here. Every Sabbath for 14 years, and some people have three or four. Right? I've listened to a lot of them. But I can only think of one prayer request where somebody asked for salvation for somebody. Pray for salvation for somebody. Sister Phyllis has asked for the saving power of Yahweh to save her son three sons over and over and over again. I've listened to it. I don't know why that one sticks with me, but I still pray for him. I still pray for him because I remember her asking 
I remember her asking. Maybe I'm sure others have been, but I remember that one specifically. For for the salvation of her sons. That is a that is a righteous prayer. That is a righteous prayer. Maybe it's because that's that's what our prayer should be about. Maybe that's what our prayer should be about. That's the focus of our prayers. The spiritual needs of those around us. The spiritual needs. That and for our own boldness to be able to speak the gospel like Paul did. So in closing, let me ask you this. Do you pray? Do you pray always? Is it for the spiritual needs of the church? This is the aim here in Paul's letter. Prayer is a powerful thing, and we can get in sync with Yahweh, and when we do, there is no limit to the power that he can display all around us. And so I urge you to pray often. Pray specifically. Pray specifically that you can see his works. A lot of times we make our prayers bold, our big, and uh, so we say, Yahweh, I pray that you just heal this country of all the coronavirus going around. Not that he can't heal the country of all the coronavirus that's going around. But it's so much easier to build your faith when you pray specific. When I say, Yahweh, I pray that you heal my daughter's broken leg. Or I pray that you do this specifically. Because when that happens, your faith is built because you can actually see that, that prayer answered. So it's important that we pray specifically. He is a mighty king. He's powerful <laughs> enough to save the most horrific person on earth if we're diligent enough and, right. and effective in our prayers. Right. Okay? I don't think anything is needed. I'm going to close here with a doxology of Paul's, and I don't think anything is needed to comprehend it. And uh, so I'm just going be- to read it, and I believe that we can understand it that way. But I want to tell you this before I read the doxology. Uh, Tychicus is a dear friend. Of, of Paul's. He's mentioned about five times throughout the New Testament, and he's the man that delivered the letter, this letter to the to the church in Asia Minor. Okay? And he was a vehicle of help for Paul while he was in prison. So when I tell you all that, I, I don't tell you for any means other than just giving you some kind of understanding of what's going on here. Tychicus was the, was the messenger, so to speak. But I want to read verses 21 through 24, and then, uh, and then I'll wrap this sermon up. In verse 21, it says, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from the Almighty, the Father, and the Lord, Yeshua, the Messiah. Grace be with all who have undying love, for our Lord, Yeshua the Messiah. Well, church, we have studied the whole book of Ephesians. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. It's uh, It's been great. And I'll, and I'll finish and close, and I'm just going to quote Paul one more time. He says, Peace to you and love of faith from the Father our Lord. And grace be with you, all who have undying love for our Lord, Yeshua the Messiah.